It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to talk a little college football. Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and store availability. Joining us now from SB Nation, he covers college football. He is Cam Miller with us here on the big show. Hi, Cam. Thanks for a few minutes. Yeah, I appreciate the time. Appreciate you uh, having me on. Wow, we have a lot to, to get to with you. There's no doubt. I mean, it's just craziness right now in college football, right? Let's let's start with uh, some of the conference solutions and uh, what they're intending to do anyway. What do you think about the plan the Pac-12 has come up with in particular? Uh, you know, I, I, I like the plan. I like the the thought process that went into it. I think you you go into it and you try to figure out all the variables, which is uh, impossible at this point of time in this in the middle of a, a global pandemic. But what I do like, and I think that's where it's a place to start discussions here at the Pac-12, is that they allowed the rivalries that are important to not only fan bases but fans around the world. I think they did a very good job of trying to preserve those in, in these unknown times. You know, you have USC and UCLA start, supposed to kick the season off, but they also mimic the bye weeks for those two schools. And I think they did that across the board. They kick off with the biggest rivalry games: Arizona, Arizona State. You have the formerly known as the uh, Civil War, Oregon, Oregon State, and they all mimic bye weeks. So in case there's these fluctuations, it looks like, you know, priority one was to get the famous games and get the, the most sought after, most watched games uh, definitely in. So if, if they did one thing right, that I, I think is where you start. And, and that's where you say that the Pac-12 did it, did it well. What about the conferences that are still going to play a non-conference game or two, as we found out in the case of uh, of the Mountain West? is it, Would it have been smarter for them to go internal, just conference only? Or what do you think about the possibility of them trying to squeeze in non-conference games? I, I think it's the general consensus that I've, I've felt around the student-athletes that I've talked to. It seems a bit like a money grab. And I understand the Mountain West needs more money than maybe the Pac-12 does, especially with the loan talk. Uh, that they're discussing today or that broke today. But, you know, I think it's if it can be done safely, which nobody really knows, but if you have, pro, you know, health protocols and guidelines, I don't see why not having a non-conference game because that's the majority of those times, you know, that we get to see other players for these other, you know, group of five schools in general. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy with it just as long as it's done safely because that's really, you know, these student-athletes need a voice at most times, especially now, though. And I'm happy that they're fighting it on their own, but also, you know, as long as it's unsafe for them. Well, I mean, it's a, it's obviously an important topic of conversation, not only for those uh, those teams in the Mountain West like Utah State, but also BYU, who needs somebody to play, and they can play those other independent schools, not UConn, uh, obviously, after the news today. But, you know, they need other opponents, and uh, why I think it was important that at least, you know, the Big 12, the Mountain West, those two in particular, are going to play non-conference games, so they have someone to play. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate for these independent schools that they don't uh, get the Notre Dame treatment and get you know brought into another conference or, or or allowed to not play football in the conference that they actually belong to, like Notre Dame. So I do like it for that reason too. That's actually one that I hadn't really necessarily thought about is that what do these independent schools do? And I think that's that may be another root cause for why UConn did cancel their season as well because they just couldn't quite. Uh, you know, make it happen. So, you know, and they might not be alone. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure of the, you know, finances there at UMass, but I got to imagine that it'd probably be more expensive for them to play than not. I would assume it would be too, especially at this point when majority of the time you're going to have to travel as well and you can't even bank on any sort of season ticket revenue or ticket revenue in general. So, yeah, I, I would assume that we're, we're not alone in seeing UConn or UConn's not alone. 
Uh, we're talking to Cam Meller, uh, and you mentioned earlier, Cam, that uh, the Pac-12, the news we found today, they've got this mammoth loan program, and they're going to help their schools through the coronavirus. What is, I guess, what are you reading into that? What is, what does that say? Good thing, bad thing? What's your takeaway? Uh, it's a good thing for the schools, definitely. And I mean, at this point, if there is, it's good to know that if the players are going to be, you know, thought of, and if they do boycott, and then if it's not safe for them to play, if they're not going to play, then at least the schools themselves won't be hurt too much. I, I don't necessarily know what's going to happen in terms of, uh, you know, how the players are going to react to that. I think we're still learning that and still piecing that together. So I do think it's at least good for the universities. You know, they're not going to take too much of a hit or too much uh, or what the hit that they probably thought they would have been. But it's very interesting to see that the Pac-12 can do something like this very well, but other things that they can't do very well. We've talked about uh, the players and their commitment to play or not. Of course, a big story about the Pac-12 players uh, making some demands to the conference. And, you, you know, we've seen we saw a roller coaster of a story with Colorado State yesterday and uh, what may or may not be going on there. How much is the season in jeopardy due to reasons like that? Oh, I think it's even more so in jeopardy than just when it was just a pandemic we had to worry about. I think with them finding their voice, we're a little bit late in the game for voices to be heard. And I think we saw it with the Big Ten players. They they came out, they have their very well organized, not quite as needy demands as the Pac-12 players did, but they also understood the time frame saying with how short it is and how much we want to save a season, we need to get started on this now. And so I think that it's we're more so in trouble of a season not happening right now, especially since, I mean, what, these Big 12 schools are supposed to kick off in three and a half weeks at this point. And so, I mean, we're, we're looking at uh, – <laughs> It's very it's dicey to say the least at this point, and that's not even just with the pandemic we're talking about too. How catastrophic would it be to not have a season? You know, I've I've waffled. I've been I've said I'd be very sad. Uh, I I know I would likely lose a few more colleagues of mine as well to furloughs and to layoffs. Not just a few, probably if we didn't have any sort of football season. But as long I think the longevity and the health of the sport would be better off if there wasn't if there was going to be long term effects for these student athletes because we'd be better off without it. So it would be, it would be terrible. It would be catastrophic to more than just the players, more than just the coaches and universities. It would be catastrophic to media outlets. I mean, I don't think radio would be, you know, radio has got other sports, so I think you guys are okay. But us sports writers at bank on college football alone, especially we, we'd be in jeopardy. We'd, we'd be a little bit bored. I think you'd see other hobbies start to pick up as well across the world, but uh, it would be, it would be pretty rough. Oh yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, radio's already been impacted across the country. I mean, it, this is this is a very real thing uh, for for everybody in the industry, no doubt about it. And Cam Miller is with us from SB Nation here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Cam, I, I want to ask you about some on the field stuff. I know you've uh, tweeted over the past couple of days so about some BYU players. Want to ask you about our local programs here, and let's start with the Cougars. If we're able to see some sort of season, what are your thoughts on the potential uh, at BYU this year? Well, I think outside of Provo, I, or I'm actually maybe even including inside of Provo, I'm probably the biggest Zach Wilson fan in the country. I know that there's a there's a discussion and people don't want him and they would rather see Hall. Uh, but I think Zach Wilson, when he's healthy and when he's on his game and when he's got maybe one of the better left tackles in all of college football blocking for him and Brady Christensen, I think the combination of Zach Wilson healthy with Christensen on his blind side, pass protecting at elite levels, you know, there's there's very few better, if not Wilson and Christensen are atop the leaderboard for court returning quarterback and left tackle combinations uh, because you see it across the, the nation. You don't rest necessarily return a guy who could be, if he was in a conference first team in his conference or first team, all independent at this point in Zach Wilson, who just does everything you want him to well when healthy and when given enough time. 
uh, Wilson, I think, is the star returner, in my opinion. I know I know it's probably a controversial take, but then Peyton Wilger, uh, at, at linebacker as well, I just think that he had what I would classify as the best freshman linebacker season uh, in the nation last year. So returning as one of the better rising sophomores or redshirt sophomores, I know that everything's a little bit different. So, you know, I love what Wilger brings to the table at linebacker as well. So I think you have, uh, you know, star linebacker, star left tackle, and a star quarterback to really be excited for. Utah is in a little bit different boat than BYU. In fact, um, uh, Kalani Satake was talking yesterday how great it is that he's got all this experience on his team. It's really helped him dealing with uh, with the pandemic. Utah, on the other hand, they're changing over a lot of their roster. They lose some key guys, including their quarterback and running back, uh, obviously, and they're going to be a little bit younger. They've got a transfer from South Carolina battling it out with, uh, with a redshirt uh, sophomore uh, for the starting quarterback position. What are your thoughts on the Utes and their potential? Uh, I think anytime you have to re- replace, I remember doing the count on this as well. So of their 12 defensive players who played the 12 most snaps last year, only Devin Lloyd returns. Mm-hmm. And so you're re- replacing 11 players that played well over 400, 500 snaps last season. And not only that, but at incredibly high levels. So when you lose guys like Julian Blackman and Jalen Johnson to the NFL, that's just the tip of the iceberg. They have to replace so much on defense that I'm just not sure that the Devin Lloyd can carry it. I know there's talented guys that are unproven and we've seen it happen here a time and time again, where teams quote reload, but I think reloading 11 or 10 starters on defense and 11 guys that played, you know, 400, 500 snaps or more on defense will be incredibly difficult. So especially then when you, when you lose Moss and Huntley from the backfield as well, I know Jake Bentley from South Carolina, four year starter at that point, starting games when he was 17 years old for South Carolina. So there's a reason he didn't quite necessarily keep his job. I know injuries held him back a little bit, but this guy is battle tested. This guy's tough. So I like Bentley to at least win this job uh, going forward and give sort of a, a unique approach and, and a guy who won't quit on you at all. Not that any, you know, Huntley quit at all or anything like that, but I'm just saying this is a guy that will grit out every play for the youth this year. So I like what Bentley can bring to the table uh, just based on his his uh, experience alone. He is Cam Miller. Uh, Miller, excuse me. He writes for SB Nation. Cam, thank you so very much for coming on the show. We'll have to do it again soon. Yeah, my pleasure. Again, thanks for having me.